2: Hello and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, June 29th. I'm Terry Aranga with my guest, Susan Delane, author of the Autism Cookbook, 101 gluten-free and dairy-free recipes, published by Skyhorse Publishing. You're in for a treat because we'll be talking about this gorgeous, easy-to-use cookbook filled with vivid photography of kid and family-friendly dishes from main dishes to treats. Susan is a spokesperson for Autism Awareness and mom to a son with autism and numerous food allergies. Her recipes and story have been featured in the publications Real Simple and Black Health and on local and national radio and television programs, including affiliates of ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Stay with us through to the end so that you can hear about a special offer from our friends at Skyhorse Publishing. Welcome, Susan. Hello, Terry. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Susan, what year was your son, Justin, born? How old is he? Justin is a happy,
3: healthy nine-year-old. He just turned nine on, a, on a June 26th. Oh, happy
2: birthday
3: to he, Justin. He had his first flight on his birthday, so he was really excited. Way cool. Yeah. Does Justin have any siblings? He has one sibling. We have Ryan, who is seven years old, and he is a typical seven-year-old. Okay.
2: So uh, Justin was when your family was first exposed to uh, the autism diagnosis, then I assume? Pardon? Justin was when your family was first exposed to an autism diagnosis, I assume?
3: Absolutely. He was our very first exposure to even the concept of autism, uh, which, as you can imagine, Terry, was completely mind-blowing and devastating and um, completely changed our outlook um, on on um, what would happen with our son, what we were expecting and what we were hoping for um, as being new parents. Uh, so this, this really shifted our world and, and caused us to have to re-examine what, what we were expecting for him and trying to work around um, what we would like him to do in life.
2: Mm-hmm. And. You know, i bet that really, you know, as you alluded to, shifted
3: your worldview. What
2: was your worldview, including attitudes about food, before an autism diagnosis came along?
3: Oh, you know, my husband and I were together for years before we had children. We just had a very basic, almost sort of flippant attitude about uh, the whole relationship between food, health, and development, Um, It it simply just didn't matter to us, Terry. We were living um, freely and we weren't very careful about what we were eating. And as a matter of fact, um, if if we did see a child with autism, in our minds, or if we saw a child with a disability, in our minds we would think, well, why doesn't the parent just do something? Why doesn't the parent just um, discipline that child or take a behavioral approach and just fix the problem? It's so easy. And so this was our attitude um, before having children and before having a child um, diagnosed with autism. And, again, this whole um, mentality shifted once we had our own. Uh, it was a growth process, and I'm very excited to, to, to speak and, and share this whole growth process with other families so they don't experience the same pitfalls as we did. Sure. I really appreciate
2: your, your being so frank about this. Absolutely. What first made you think, Susan, that Justin fell under the diagnostic label of autism?
3: Oh, I have to tell you our story, Terry, and you know, it's interesting, in the beginning my husband and I, we really felt like we were on this island all by ourselves in terms of what we were experiencing with this very, very sick child. The more we spoke with other families about this and the more um, I interviewed other parents of autistic children, the more we realized that our story was very tragic, but unfortunately not at all not at all unique. Um, we, he, from the very beginning um, from birth, really, Justin had severe eczema, He was super irritable all the time, um, refused to cuddle, he refused to breastfeed, He had constant upper respiratory infections. Um, He had just a general, if you can imagine, just a general appearance of malice. This was uh, a first-time parent's nightmare, as you can imagine, Um, bringing a a first-time child into the world and seeing him completely ill all the time and not really being able to enjoy and relax the experience of first-time parenting. Um, He was sleepless. He was going, let's say every 12 hours, sleeping for an hour and a half, and then being up for 12 hours, sleeping an hour and a half. He was an absolutely um, miserable child. So, so for months we went on with our, our pediatrician asking, you know, is this normal? And we were constantly given the reassurance that what he was experiencing was normal infant development. Um, the explanation was, well, you know, the womb is a very safe, sort of bubble environment. It's a safe place for the child to grow and develop, a very nutritious place for the child to grow and develop for nine months. And what he's experiencing is the shock of being um, outside of the womb. And this made a whole lot of sense to us. This was reassuring to us, and it was very comforting to receive any kind of answer. And this sort of answer... Gave us hope that, well, he, this is normal infant development. Good, so when he becomes a toddler, this will be going away. And uh, unfortunately, um, this did not improve over time. Um, we started to see some development in him, but always lagging behind other children. He had, for months, zero verbal or nonverbal communication. Uh, it, Absolutely none. Not even saying "mom" or not, never reaching for things. Um, zero communication. It was always frustrated. Um, by by 15 months, Terry, this was a turning point for us. Justin had developed a horrible, severe upper, upper respiratory infection. Um, it was so severe that it caused swelling. In his lungs, that were that was not able to be controlled through drugs. And so he was intubated at 15 months for six entire days. Basically, it was a, a breathing tube uh, for six entire days, completely sedated um, in the hospital. This, of course, was shortly after a, a round of shots. And um, so during this intubation, um, you know, he looked peaceful and it was almost like he was communicating to us you know I'm gonna be okay but after um, after he emerged from being intubated and his lungs the swelling in his lungs went down our son emerged a completely different person he was completely different we could we could barely touch him we could hardly engage him he had some issues before going on that I talked to you about with the irritability and the refusal to cuddle but at this point it was it was totally impossible to even engage or or approach him for several months. Um, We couldn't bathe him, we couldn't drive him, you name it. Um, Anything that we tried to do with him for months resulted in a a screaming spell. Um, You know, I can just name all these different things ad nauseum right now, all the the horrible things that resulted from his being intubated. But at that point, we, we started to beseech our pediatrician answers. Um, And we just kind of started to get answers like, oh, his quietness is because your husband is a very reserved man and he's probably going to be quiet like him. Um, He attributed the constant fevers and infections to the fact that, and, and Terry, you can probably relate to this right now, to the fact that something's going around. There was, there was always something going around. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. yeah, this is the reason why your, your child's staying sick constantly because something's going around. So um, and, and I'm guilty of accepting that explanation a lot of times when I get sick, oh there's something going around. But well, we took that and we trusted this, this gentleman who was treating our son, and um, again, it was very comforting. Um, you know, but Terry, the, the more families I speak with about this story, the more nodding alongs I get, and the more people finish my sentences, or uh-huh. they, they kind of want to finish my sentence, um, this, this okay, again, this, this whole experience was very tragic and, and interesting to hear about, and it still um, throbs people's hearts. But unfortunately, it's, it's not at all new, and it's definitely not unique. It's so, millions of families experiencing the exact same. Sort of story that my son experienced and life experience that he had uh, between birth up to about three years old.
2: Uh, and isn't it maddening because the explanations, the pat explanations that were given to us and that so many of us accepted, um, uh, deprived our children of precious healing time. Yes. We were thrown off track, um, you know, to be told that. Uh, Constant diarrhea is normal and, oh, it'll go away when he starts eating solid food or boys yes. develop later than girls. Yes. Uh, you know, you mentioned shots so and um, the quote-unquote coincidence of yes. your son being uh, intubated six days on a breathing tube in the hospital yes. after a round of shots. And so, you know, to me, to my mind, that would be the thing that's going around that lots of kids are getting, yes. the shots. Yes. Um, and I wanted to ask you, did he have a Hep B before he developed the eczema, uh, neonatal eczema?
3: Actually, he was uh, right. Right when he was born, had the eczema um, from the beginning, um, hmm. and we just we still are not haven't gotten to the bottom of, of what happened in utero or what was going on um, when he was born. So the, the the eczema was chronic, and interesting enough, Terry, we were given this awesome drug to to give him that just put him. At ease and really helped um, to relieve the eczema for months, and we thought that was that was the answer, just to rub him with this cream, mm. um, this miracle cream. But we found out later on that it was a much deeper problem than that. As with all medical conditions, you, there's there's so much more than just the surface of what you see. You've got to get below the symptom in order uh, to get to the cause of it and eliminate the cause.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, my son had the uh, uh, be first and then eczema, and he was even given further, you know, quote-unquote, well-baby rounds of uh, vaccines on top of eczema, and a uh, a homeopathic practitioner said to me that at least the eczema is a sign of physiological imbalance that you should not vaccinate on top of, and then they give you a steroid cream, and you don't want to be vaccinating on top of that, and uh, I'm not saying that you necessarily want to be vaccinating at any point, but that's the you know, choice to research and make an educated decision right. with informed consent. But um, thanks for talking with me about that for a little bit. So, what was the first thing you did to bring Justin back on the road towards healing and improvement and recovery?
3: Terry, my husband and I lost our minds. <laughs> we completely um, went ballistic with, with this diagnosis of autism. We had everything perfectly planned out. Um, he was going to be a football player. He was going to be this, this scholar, this um, this writer, this speaker, this mathematician. My husband is really good with numbers. He was going to be this awesome prodigy type kid. So our um, in our minds, uh, in our initial approach was to fix him, um, and it wasn't. It, there wasn't even any idea in our minds first about about healing him. It was all about fixing him, and this is part of the whole denial process that a lot of parents go into. Um, we, we first took our neurologist advice and. Put him, through, put him through a litany of tests and could in the sedated hearing and a, a number of other blood tests to rule out other uh, conditions. Um, and then we did something classic. We put him in recreational sports. We thought if we put him in recreational sports, he's going to learn how to speak and interact with children. He's going to become coordinated physically. It's going to fix him, and he's going to become this child that we want him to be. We put him in these enrichment classes in our local neighborhood um, and just made your classic attempts at trying to, to fix a child. Um, of course, those were futile um, attempts. All right. Ended up going to one or two classes and, and quitting after once we realized just how far behind he was just in his, with his peers. Mm-hmm
2: huh. Would it be okay if we pick up with this when we come back from absolutely, break?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Great. We'll be right back with okay. Susan Delane, author of the Autism Cookbook. When we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Thank you to our sponsor, EnzaMedica. We'll be right back.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: calm.
2: We're back with Susan Delane, author of the gorgeous cookbook, The Autism Cookbook, 101 Gluten-Free and Dairy-Free Recipes. And, Susan, before the break, you were telling us about things that you and your husband tried to start to do with Justin when um, you were newer to the diagnosis.
3: Yes, Terry. It was all about, at that time, trying to fix him, trying to salvage the dreams and hopes that we and all the plans that we that we had for him so it was it was all about the recreational sports it was all about putting him into social groups um, enrichment classes to try to reclaim kind of reclaim all the dreams that we wanted him to to pursue for us really Um, again those those were futile because they were more frustrating than anything else Um, once we got him into a setting with typical peers and typical peers who were advanced um, in so many areas, physically and, and academically, it was really a blow, um, and a blow to us. The one thing that we found really helped Justin kind of get over a hump was enrolling him in our local preschool, our special needs preschool program. Uh, that was uh, just a wonderful choice that we made, that, a choice that I made reluctantly because I didn't want to let my baby go. I thought, well, he can't speak. For himself, he can't express himself, what if something happens, I had all these fears. Once I was able to let go and, and say, well, I can't homeschool this child right now in this emotional state, I can't um, do as, as much as a professional can do, once, I, once we really let go and allowed him to ex- explore the world a little bit more, this we realized was the best choice we made in terms of starting his care. Um, he be, be, uh, went into the preschool program and received therapy with speech. Um, he received physical therapy, occupational therapy. He was going um, for several hours a week, five days a week, and this was really a wonderful starting place for him, a wonderful starting point. He picked up some vocabulary, became potty trained at preschool. Uh, it was just a wonderful thing, and it was a great respite for me having a brand new baby at home, Ryan, who's now seven, but... I was able to spend some time, and that's so valuable to have a healthy state of mind and a healthy relationship with the other children um, when you have a spectrum child. So this was really a wonderful turning point, the preschool program. But, you know, Terry, even throughout that um, progress and even with the wonderful progress that he made in preschool, my husband and I we, we just were on the same page in that we thought there, there's something deeper. There has to be something deeper that we can do to help him, even though this environment is very therapeutic, it's very helpful, we just knew in our gut and we couldn't put our finger on it that there's something more out there. There's something more uh, that we can do for his body. There's something more we can do for him as a whole person. So um, this is when our whole journey started, and this is what we did at first to start with um, his progress, and then the story just goes on. So did Justin have any medical conditions that were
2: comorbid or that you feel were underlying his autism diagnosis?
3: Absolutely. Um, Just in our our own research and uh, just speaking with other families, we were led to realize that most of the kids we knew with autism, they had what what we kind of called the, the triple A. And, you know, Terry, you know you have to, you have to just find your reserves of humor sometimes in life so you can get through through things and get day-to-day and survive tragic situations. We called it the AAA. The AAA was the autism, allergies, and asthma. Um, it seemed that every single child that we knew with autism or every family we spoke to would either say that the child had allergies and or asthma along with their with their, um, at, with their autism, and the allergies were either environmental or food or both. Um, many what we found out, and this is just through our, our research as parents, not medical professionals, we're just parents and we started to research things that many children um, haven't have damaged intestinal tracts. A lot of that damage comes from uh, environmental exposure, sh- uh, trauma, vaccinations which has a huge impact on the digestive tract and our digestive tract I'm not sure what exact number it is because again I'm not a doctor there's a percentage a very high percentage in which our immune system is, is dependent on our, our digestive tract um, so many of these um, problems of asthma food allergies environmental allergies are because of the child's poor immune system so it, it only makes sense to us that, uh, that our child would have other things going on um, with his physical health in addition to the autism because there are immune, immune deficiencies. It, it only makes sense to us. So, yeah, I talk about co- comorbidity, and I stand strong behind the fact that many children with autism have um, other immune problems that go along with their autism. Autism is a whole-body syndrome syndrome.
2: Yeah, and it seems to me as the gut goes, the body goes. Absolutely. And you, yeah, you're right. If we don't have a sense of humor, we're oh. going to end up in AA. Oh yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> really. So it's you. All about that. Um, I, and by the way, uh-huh. we don't generally say just a mom
3: because you know what MD stands for, really. You got? I got to know what's that. Mother
2: determined.
3: Oh, I love it. I'm writing it down. I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs>
2: so you discovered that there was another way, and you discovered there were things like dietary intervention, chiropractic care, healing arts, yes. energy therapies?
3: Yes, absolutely. This, this, was, this discovery of the world of alternative healings um, was a result of some experiences that we had with, with our traditional doctor. Um, unfortunately, we encountered a doctor who uh, was not appropriate for our family. Perhaps appropriate for someone else, but just wasn't appropriate. We were in probably the wrong place at the right at, at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and if I can just say, you know, I, I want to quote uh, a brilliant mind, Terry, um, a, a brilliant mind named Andrew Wakefield, as as you know. <laughs> yes. Um, in his book, he talks about. These families having experiences with doctors, and we had—I almost feel like he was having a peek into my life at, at the time, dealing with um, with our pediatrician. Even though he was very forthcoming and helpful with wanting to get to the bottom of Justin's symptoms or the presenting problems that he had, for example. Um, oh, Justin has the flu, Justin has an infection. Well, let's find out how that infection occurred. Oh, Justin um, has um, eczema. Let's find out what's in your house that's causing the eczema. A litany of questions, a litany of investigations would take place to find out and eliminate the root cause of this. And now I would say, oh, he's um, drinking um, a milk. and Oh, you've got to get rid of the milk. Oh, he's um, been playing in a group setting of children. You've got to get him away from those children because that's why he has the infection. Um, but as Andrew Wakefield points out brilliantly in his book, and I think this um, applies to so many families, once we started talking about the possibility of the MMR vaccine, having an impact and a part in Justin's uh, regression, there was very little, if no, willingness to, to uh, investigate that. Although there was tons of willingness to investigate the other claims we were making for the causes of his other issues. When, when that conversation started, we were so severely shut off and intimidated by the responses Mm. uh, to the point where, and again, he he talks about this in another chapter in Callous Disregard, to the point where we just said, well, let's not say anything anymore about that. Um, We have a great doctor. He's right near our house. Our insurance pays for him. He has a reputation. He's been with Justin for years. Let's just not mention that because we don't want this to affect Justin's um, care We don't want him to begin treating him differently. Let's just play it safe. So um, I'm telling you, Terry, when I read that, I felt like, wow, I wasn't the only one experiencing this. That sort of reaction um, left us hanging. Mm -hmm. It left us feeling a little hopeless. But my husband and I, again, going back to the whole preschool situation, we we always felt um, there was something deeper um, than what what the world was presenting to us as our options. Um, we We took preschool as the option. we took our pediatrician as an option because it was available. it was um, accessible, some of the things were free. but we al- always had that gut feeling that there there's something so much deeper um, than than just what everyone says that you have to do. Um, this is this is when we started looking at Chiropractic care. We started looking at healing arts, um, energy healing, um, and this has been an amazing turning point in our lives. It, it really all began with dietary intervention, which is where the books came from. So it started with, with changing his diet, and when we saw what that, what I call that natural approach, can do, it's when it spun off into our looking into chiropractic care and healing arts. Um, I've, I've always been of the belief that um, everything is energy, Terry, and I think my 10th grade f- physics teacher would be so proud of me right now to hear that, <laughs> that I've actually learned something in physics class. Um, when, when we realized that we were getting nowhere with our pediatrician and that we were actually getting a very hostile reaction from our pediatrician, um, we, we took a serious look at this and, and shifted what, we, what our plans were. All right. And we'll pick
2: up with this when we come back from break on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzamedica. We'll be right back.
1: Opinions, options, answers, Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: Thank you.
0: Mark your calendar and set an alarm so you do not miss the highly acclaimed talk show, Holistic Living with Tina Marie and Todd Allen. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, and 10 a.m. Pacific for inspirational, oftentimes edgy discussions on all that life brings our way. With celebrity guests, world-famous authors, and everyday people dedicated to sharing positive, uplifting messages, Tina Marie and Todd Allen bring you the very best in talk radio discussions, guaranteed to make you smile.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Terry.
2: We're back with Susan Delane, author of The Autism Cookbook, 101 Gluten-Free and Dairy-Free Recipes. And Susan, before the break, you were telling us how you underwent a paradigm shift.
3: Yes, we did go undergo a huge paradigm shift after having very little success um, and, and being really intimidated uh, with our traditional doctor who was um, uh, just not giving us, the deeper answers that we that we knew existed. Uh, a friend of mine suggested I start seeing a chiropractor, um, and I thought, "Well, there's nothing wrong with his back," <laughs> and said, "There's no need to go." So I, I finally listened to her, and and we found this wonderful man, uh, Dr. Peter Both, um, out of uh, Tyrone, Georgia. Uh, what and we call him Dr. Pete. He introduced us to the concept that um, human ailments. Are, are like an onion. He uses this onion analogy. They need to be gradually peeled away. You can't just go in and attack um, a, a physical ailment. Uh, it, it, it can be done effectively by attacking it, but there might be long-term things that will come back because they weren't individually um, dealt with. So there could be layers and layers to any particular physical ailment that, and those layers have to be peeled away, one at a time. Um, when when you get to the root of that onion, when you finally peel away and get to the root cause of of the ailment, you'll you'll notice that imbalances in the spine and in the cranial system cause these imbalances. And by adjusting the spine and the cranium, which our our, our chiropractor does, and Um, with with Justin. He does wonderful work with him. When you find that you take the stressors off of the spine that are causing imbalances in the body, um, health problems start to gradually go away. With our son being nine years old, we feel that we have time. We have time on our side. We have uh, time and resources. We're not trying to get him into Harvard tomorrow. We're not trying to get him prepared for the SAT, he still has time, he's very young. So this gradual healing approach for us works very well at this time, which is why I'm, I'm very um, big on speaking to parents about starting, starting as young as you can. In fact, Dr. Pete's youngest patient, I believe, is one year old, and um, he just does some uh, incredible work. Uh, it's Because of Dr. Pete's onion analogy, um, Terry, I became an, a professional onion peeler. <laughs> I, that's my new title now. Um, it, as a result of that onion analogy and understanding and appreciating that, the healing arts and energy healing uh, are all about peeling away layers and uh, layers of what I call environmental and spiritual stuff. Over time, certain healing arts, like, for example, Reiki, and Qigong, and and a lot of people know about yoga and tai chi they um, they create a balanced flow of energy in the body they create balance among the different organs and systems in the body and when you have well I should say the greater the balance is between your organs and your systems the greater health you have this balance promotes Physical healing—it's it's a very simple concept that's misunderstood by many. And so, um, at this time, our family practices. I'm actually um, a Reiki certified Reiki healer, and I practice Reiki on my son every day. Reiki is a hands-on healing art that is very soothing. You don't see immediate results. You don't see instant results, as if like you were taking a pill or having a procedure done. Reiki is very gradual. It's very um, relaxing. My son suffers severely from anxiety when he goes through a lot of different changes. And so being able to treat him as his mom at any given time, at any time of the day, anywhere, is a very empowering tool for me. We also practice yoga, and believe it or not, Terry, my 9-year-old, meditates. And it is purely uh, the act of sitting still, breathing deeply, and emptying his mind so that he can relax and work through his his anxieties, and just have um, moments of, of quiet that he, he needs to... This, this is going to, I believe, help him enormously when he becomes an adult. And I won't be there to tell him, Justin, calm down. Justin, let's work through this. He has uh, an awesome tool that he's going to be able to take with him into an, into adulthood.
2: Right, you know, Western medicine uh, tends to not promote balance, not prioritize or talk about or emphasize balance. They It seems to regard uh, children who are lab- labeled with autism as disembodied heads, that yeah. it's something that affects the head. And I think Western medicine in general, um, when there's a malady, looks at one part of the body, like if you're having a gallbladder problem, right. you suddenly just become a gallbladder and the rest of your body dries right. off, and they address that one thing, right. and to heck with the way it affects the rest of the body, whatever they're doing for you. Right. I think your onion analogy is a good way for us to segue into talking about your cookbook. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the foundation and specifics of your gorgeous cookbook, and I know I keep saying gorgeous, but it's really gorgeous. Thank you. It has all these vivid photographs of these easy-to-make and attractive family-friendly meals. So so why gluten-free? What are the beneficial effects of a gluten-free diet?
3: Okay, here's what we found out, and I'll try to summarize it as best I can. We've discovered that most children with autism or children on the autism spectrum have sensitivities to foods, and sensitivity is uh, a a problem in the digestive system um, where there's not enough enzymes or there's not enough um, favorable favorable condition in the gut to digest a particular food. The most common um, sensitivities right now among these children are gluten and casein, Uh, and they are so prevalent in almost every single thing that we eat. So, Eliminating those two common offenders uh, is a wonderful place to start. We, we actually were, I guess you can call us fortunate, that nine months Justin was diagnosed with food allergies, and um, two of his allergies were wheat and dairy, among other things. So he was already, um, starting from nine months, already on a casein-free diet, with the exception of some cross-contamination that we were allowing into his diet, and he was already on a wheat-free diet, but he was not on a gluten-free diet because we were still giving him oatmeal and um, allowing him to have cross-contaminated foods. When we decided, uh, when we heard news about this um, gluten-free, casein-free diet and how, how effective it was, we decided to take extra measures and be more careful about cross-contamination and to also eliminate oats and um, rye from his diet. And, Terry, this is... Um, something that I can't even put into words. Within three months, Justin started to, to speak his first words. He, for the very first time, in at, at this point he's almost four years old, at this point he's sleeping through the night. He is comfortable. His whole appearance and presentation changed. It sounds almost too good to be true.
2: Oh, Um, you know, this is wonderful, and we have heard this from other parents.
3: Yes. Yes, it is definitely not a unique response, and I urge other parents to look into this. Um, There are several ways you can find out. You can have um, the gastrointestinal testing done, or you can just try it. And if you try it and, and you find it doesn't work, well, guess what? It's still a very healthy way to eat. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a healthful
2: diet for the whole family, and it's really helpful when the whole family does
3: it. Yes, yes. We, we, we actually became on board with Justin as much as we can because my 7-year-old my still sneaks a little moon pie in every, every once in a while. He doesn't know that I know this. But, but uh, we, we've become on board with Justin just, just to support him and to make him feel supported, especially at family functions. Um, so we do gluten free and casein free as much as possible. I don't know what my husband's eating at work today for lunch, but um, hopefully he's chosen something gluten free, casein free.
2: You know, to the the moms and dads can have similar metabolic issues similar to their uh, kids who have uh, the autism diagnosis, and so yes. uh, parents should really consider gluten free, casein free diets. For their own health, I was talking to uh, a medical doctor about some female-type symptoms, and she said, oh, you know, you have to do GFCF.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. so you know, I, I went completely gluten-free two years ago. And although I don't, I, I'm, I'm not clear right now as to whether I had problems, but I sure do feel a whole lot better. Yeah. And it, is, it also gives you a certain level of control over what you eat and makes you, forces you to make wiser choices as opposed to just grabbing something off, off the shelf.
2: Mhm.
3: Yes. Okay. So we, we talked about gluten and you did
2: uh you're advising dairy free as well. Your cookbook is dairy free as well.
3: Yes. Yep, it's dairy free. And I also took some other things out. I took out rice, uh that is one of Justin's allergies. But not having rice in the book is actually beneficial to families who are going um very low on the carbohydrate, the may perhaps the specific carbohydrate diet. Uh, so it's, it's definitely beneficial to people who not necessarily are trying to avoid rice but are trying to reduce their number of carbohydrates. So often
2: when we transition our kids to gluten-free, casein-free diet, we make substitutions that are empty calories. But I looked through your book, I looked through the recipes, it was a pleasure to do so. These recipes are easy, yes. not that many ingredients. Um, not terminology that I can't understand because I think like you, um, I'm not exactly Julia, you know, at least uh, you probably are now, but I'm still not Julia Child. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> so uh, I was looking through to examine the nutritional content, and your recipes are basic staples, nutritional um, dishes, um the terminology is simple to follow. There aren't a ton of ingredients. It doesn't require that you go out and find, you know, truffles that were buried in mounds yeah. mound in whales and snuffled by, snuffled out. You know, it's no exotic ingredients, um, just gorgeous, easy, kid- and family-friendly recipes.
3: Thank you. And can I say something, Terry, about substitutions and replacements real sure. quick? Um, the, the concept of replacements and substitutions, it, it, eating has really changed our whole attitude and outlook about how to eat. My, my mother is South Korean, so we, we eat a lot of um, foreign foods, a lot of food from Korea. And we, we've come to realize it's okay to have a potato with your kimchi instead of, instead of rice. So you don't have to... Um, substitute everything with a, a like product. It's, it's, okay. If, it's okay to go without bread. You, you don't have to have bread. So that, that concept of replacing, it's more about just um, satisfying the mind as opposed to satisfying the, um, the nutritional piece there.
2: Okay, well your book does cover food substitutions, yes. why raw, why organic is beneficial, and let's pick up with some of these when we come back from break. On the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. We would like to uh, thank our sponsor, Enzymetica, uh, that provides digestive enzymes that complement your therapeutic diet. And we'll be right back with Susan Delane.
4: Learn more. Live better.
1: Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're
2: back with Susan Delane, and I promise you, we're going to get to the special offer from Sky Horse, and Susan, I know cookbooks aren't usually cliffhangers, but we are going to make this one a cliffhanger and just talk briefly about why organic, why raw, and reading food labels, and then people can look at the book for further information.
3: Yes, I'll give you a little hint as to why raw, why, why organic. Uh, children with autism have immune deficiencies, they have problems with their digestion, and raw foods, organic foods, are less processed, they have less stuff for the body to, uh, less layers for the body to peel through, so it is very friendly to the body and um, have intact enzymes and intact nutrition, which our autistic children need.
2: Mm-hmm. Alright, and food labels?
3: Food labels. Be careful. Become a food detective, is what I read one time. Reading food labels, even though you have found a product that is gluten-free and casein-free and you're going with it for years, each time you buy that product off of the shelves, read the label again, because manufacturers oftentimes will, on a whim, for whatever reason, change an ingredient or change um, a set of ingredients really without notice. So be careful about reading food labels.
2: Yeah, too, and uh, it's really important to know your manufacturer and make sure that they're also uh, testing the ingredients, the raw ingredients that they get in if you're buying something prepackaged. Yes. And absolutely. that's another you know, great thing about your, fo- your cookbook, uh, Susan, is that you know what you're putting into your recipes.
3: Yes. It, it, you do have a lot more power when you're cooking yourself, when you're creating your own sauces as opposed to opening a can, which is okay, but, you know, it, you do have a lot more control over what goes into the pro, into the recipe.
2: And your experience was that at first you weren't so comfortable with the kitchen, but now you're you're loving it?
3: Yeah, it's hilarious when I speak to people. They're like, you're cooking three times a day? But you know, it, one of the things I talk about in my book is part of the, the joy of gluten-free cooking is remembering what you're doing it for. You're not doing it just for the heck of it. You're doing it for a, a purpose. And every time I think about my child and how wonderful he's doing, it just makes it that much of a joy. I have a real big smile on my face right now, Terry. So um, it, it, um, it, uh, we went from not cooking at all, eating out four times a week, and not being interested in nutrition and not cooking ever. And our idea of cooking was microwaving something to cooking three meals fresh a day. And a little secret, Terry, um I freeze things because mm-hmm. I'm a busy person. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I say cooking three times a day, sometimes I don't cook three times a day. I just take something out the freezer. Um, and if, I'm, if I am cooking, it's such a quick process. These recipes are so fast.
2: Yeah, they are really easy. Well, you know, Susan, my idea of cooking used to be opening a can with a can opener. Ah. That was
3: cooking. Yum. But
2: but you're right. My husband (laughs) says, you know, back in the 1950s when, um, you know, not as many moms were out in the workforce and, you know, having to hold down full-time jobs and stuff, they would cook, and the positive energy of the love that they were pouring into that cooking would come through to help keep the family healthy.
3: Oh, Terry, you know I'm all about energy. And I'm a firm believer in that, and um, I've seen the results of that. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, I'd like to tell our listeners about the 2010-2011 Premier Encyclopedic Volume. I Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism from Skyhorse Publishing by Ken Seary and Tony Lyons. There are 69 chapters and over 70, 80, I've lost count, contributors covering topics ranging from educational therapies like DIR floor time to biomedical interventions like transcranial direct current stimulation to adjunct therapies such as vision and sound therapy to the latest in therapies for the immune system. Ken Siri and Tony Lyons are themselves devoted fathers of children with autism, a son and a daughter, respectively, and they have put this book together as an excellent, helpful resource for parents. Originally, the launch of the special offer that I'm about to tell you about was July 8th, and if you want to help move up the Amazon rankings, please yes. do order on Amazon on July 8th. But if your time constraints would make it easier for you to order now, and the folks at Skyhorts have moved up this special offer for Voice America listeners. You can order Susan Delane's again, gorgeous and easy autism cookbook now through July 14th to get all of the following special bonus extras. You'll get a free digital copy of Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism, free audio of the benefits of healing arts for autistic children from Susan Delane a tele-seminar with Dr. Andrew Wakefield, author of Callous Disregard, that Susan so kindly mentioned. Yay. Yay. <laughs> along with other free downloadable audio files and books by April Chalet, an RDI program certified consultant and certified practitioner of Handel, who offers a free audio download, How to Get the Most Value from Your Child's Therapies, along with a complimentary one-on-one 45-minute consultation. Diane Hunter from AfterAutism.com, who teaches you how to listen beyond words. Sunshine Boatwright, a holistic consultant for families affected by autism and ADHD. And Tara Kennedy Klein, author of Stop Raising Einstein. So here's what you need to do. First, purchase the autism cookbook on Amazon.com. And then to receive your free bonuses, post your proof of purchase at www.truthofautism.com forward slash BOGO, B-O-G-O. And if you missed any of what I just mentioned, please email me at taranga at autism1.org, and I'll be happy to provide all of these details. So, Susan, in the time remaining, do you have any closing remarks and take-home messages that you'd like to leave with parents?
3: Yes, I want to say first, please Facebook me. I live on Facebook, and I would love to meet you. And secondly, um, one, one quick thing, Terry, that I didn't get to: the parent-child connection is so important. And please understand the importance of your emotional and, and spiritual and physical health, and how that directly impacts your child's health and his or her healing. Yes, that is
2: yes. that is absolutely important to be positive and also take care of mom so that you can be happy and healthy.
3: Say and that again. That's your mom.
2: Yeah, and that's important for you, it's, and it's vital for your child and the rest of your family. Um, what's your website, Susan?
3: I can be seen at www.susandelane.com. Okay. And you can contact me from there. Well, Susan, I'd like to
2: thank you for bringing to light the ability of families to aid children with autism in their path to becoming healthy, thriving individuals.
3: Thank you so much, Terry, for having me. It's been a great honor, awesome. and I really appreciate it. Well, thank
2: you. It's been a pleasure. I wish we had another hour to speak with you.
3: Yes, likewise. You know I can go on.
2: <laughs> I, I think you really you know, hit home and struck chords with so many of the points that you made.
3: I appreciate the opportunity.
2: To our listeners, next week, co-host Kristen Selby-Gonzalez and I will be joined by guest, licensed registered dietitian Judy Converse, when we'll all be talking about digestive issues, especially as it relates to bowel habits. Thank you to this program's sponsor, EnzMedica, providing digestive enzymes that complement the use of therapeutic diet. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: And Zemeica would like to thank you for listening to Autism 1, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autism1.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism 1, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.